If you have your Bibles and would like to turn with me to, book, to the book of Revelation, I don't preach a lot from the book of Revelation, but I will tonight. I'm going to just read one verse. I am duly noting the time tonight because I did not know that last Sunday night I preached an hour and one minute, I think they said. And um, that's a lot of preaching. That's, that's a lot of preaching for a good preacher. When you're mediocre, that's sure too long to preach, I'm going to tell you. And so I'm going to do my best tonight to pay attention to the time. And uh, it's Labor Day weekend. I want you to be able to celebrate. Your kids are out of school tomorrow. So uh, I want you to have a little time to fellowship with one another. Fellowship's good. It's right. It's part of the church. The book of Acts they went house to house daily, in daily fellowship, house to house, in prayer and breaking of bread. And I believe there's a lot of fellowship involved in that. So I don't know about you, but I kind of like to eat together. It's a good opportunity for people to fellowship. And, um, so it's in order. Revelation chapter 21. Revelation 21. I'm just going to read verse 8 just to use as a springboard into what I feel to speak tonight. Revelation 21, verse number 8. But the fearful, everybody say the fearful, and unbelieving, and abominable, and murders and whoremongers and sorcerers and idolaters and all liars shall have their part in the lake which burneth with fire and brimstone, which is the second death. Now I know when I approach such a subject tonight that you just begin to click into the mode for me to preach a fire and brimstone message. And so that I'm going to do tonight by the help of the Lord. But my fire and brimstone message tonight, not that all the other things, because I think some of us recognize that murder is going to send you to hell. We understand that all liars are going to have their part. But that verse begins with something incredibly strange for a lot of us. But the fearful, right in line with all of the other things that we would tell somebody, I don't like to be around a liar, but the fearful is put right in there with them. So with the help of the Lord tonight, I'm going to preach for a few minutes on the subject of overcoming our fear overcoming fear. Lord, help us tonight to speak what you've laid upon our heart. I need your spirit. I need the Holy Ghost to guide tonight. I need the anointing of the Lord to rest upon us. We trust you tonight. We thank you. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name. Amen. By the way, what a great song tonight. Wow. Good job. I tell you, you didn't just walk in here and throw that together tonight. You've been a little rehearsing. There were some hard moves in that song. We appreciate you singing in the spirit and singing with understanding also. 
Amen. That's what the Bible says. Sing in the Spirit, but sing with understanding also. I've heard it both. I prefer to hear it. Singing with some understanding in the Spirit. Amen. The last week has been difficult. I told my wife this week it's been a difficult week in many ways. I'm strapped by a building project, and I do say that I'm strapped by a building project. I'm committed to it. I don't say that in some negative way, but I'm tied to it. Our lives are tied to it. We go when we don't feel like it. We work when we don't really even feel like it. We just show up because we understand we got to get this project done. But from la- after last Sunday, uh, some things transpired in my hometown. A lot of people have talked a lot about Houston and the flooding in Houston and have failed to understand the magnitude of the storm and the flooding that took place. Some 200 miles about any direction of Houston was completely inundated with water. My, I grew up in a small town um, about 60 miles off the Gulf, about two and a half hours from Houston. And the water levels there in the entire lifetime of my father in history, as a matter of fact, they say that they've never received the amount of rainfall that they received, while Houston received in some areas up to 50 inches of rain. In my hometown, uh, they reported up to, in certain areas, 48 inches of rain, uh, widespread 35 inches of rain that they received in a matter of about three or four days. And there's nowhere for that water to go. And understand that if you could just imagine four feet of water, three or three feet of water, three or four feet of water just being dropped, it can't go in the ground that fast. It was raining at rates of three and four inches per hour at some of those times. There's nowhere for water to go. When water starts running, it's got to have a place to run to. When all the reservoirs get full and the rivers and creeks get full and the streams get full and the roads get full, it's just before long there's nowhere for water to go, so it just starts building up. And uh, before long, uh, it saturates uh, so many things. And I, I felt helpless. I talked to my dad on the phone. He was weeping as the church that... A few years ago, I was blessed to be able to dedicate and uh, dedicated that building to the Lord and uh, watch my mom and dad labor as they built that church and then uh, watch my dad continue on after my mom's passing and uh, struggling and pastoring and building a church and um, uh, thought that they were on high ground and nothing would ever happen uh, such as what happened and I talked to him today, and yesterday they were able to fly a helicopter in to be able to get uh, a shot. So understand the magnitude of water, and the rivers are so over over flooded that uh, there's really nowhere for the water to go. So it's gradually making its way into the Gulf, but it's a slow process. So water is just getting down. So it was only today, the first time, that about 20 miles of road was open enough that my dad was able. He said it was strange because they were weaving from lane to lane trying to get through at times actually driving through water that was still on the road very, very carefully because there's huge areas of the road that is washed out. And they were able to get to the church and um, dad owned some property there near the church and all of that property was a total loss, everything underwater. And uh, the church was about four feet deep in water and uh, 
it seems like there's more. Uh, they, they were giving a report, and they said it would be easier to state the number and we're talking about our apostolic churches, and that it's. Dad said today, he said that if you just had the feeling of what's going on here, he said there's such a feeling of community and people coming together. Um, he said we're mourning all of our apostolic friends, but he said it's our neighbors, it's people that live down the street, uh, it's it's people across the road, it's people like we can see their homes and they're underwater, and the churches that are underwater. And uh, someone said the other day it would be easier to just give a list of the churches that did not flood than it would be to give a list of the churches that were flooded. And uh, many of these churches, I'm seeing the, the response of people. And, uh, and I told my wife this week I, I felt helpless. I, I wish there was something I can do. Uh, at this point, there's semi-load after semi-load going in. Uh, many of the cities, the large cities, that they have no clean drinking water. They said it would probably be up to a month before that they could get the water levels down to where they could uh, actually begin to pump, purify, and clean the water and make it drinkable. So they're literally hauling it in by semi-loads. And, um, and so many incredible things going uh, going on. The churches there literally are, are uh, just working around the clock, opening their churches for people to come in. And uh, this is something that perhaps the news media uh, does their best to, to grasp, but to really see the, the full uh, impact of it. And in the discussion that I had with my father this week, it seemed that, the, and, and I talked to my brother and my sisters, and, and it seemed that um, most of them, one of the things that they mentioned the most was that people were so afraid. They didn't know what to do. Uh, they were literally fearful. They were fearful of their lives. Only a little over a year ago, um, we were praying for a church in Duval, Texas, along the Sabine River that had the highest flood that it had ever had. And um, it flooded the church and the pastor's home and all the pastor's kids' home. And they rebuilt and uh, just got into their new building just a few weeks ago, only to once again be right back in the same condition again. And somebody said, well, why, why, why don't they move? Well, the issue is, is they are in, uh, you have to understand the region, all right? Uh, I, sometimes I could agree with people that would say, why would anybody want to live there? And truly, you, you could ask that question, why? Because these, these natural disasters happen. But the deal is, is you may live the majority of your life, and, and that never happened. Thankfully, my father's home, my brother's home, neither were touched. And uh, water all around, and truly, they were so blessed um, that their homes were not lost. But um, when you live in a small town uh, such as Buna, where I was raised up, uh, your life really revolved around Beaumont, and that's the closest town. And uh, on the way to Beaumont, uh, one of the major bridges that crosses, uh, that you have to cross in order to get into uh, Lumberton, which is a suburb of Beaumont. Uh, it's about 20, 25 minutes from my uh, dad's home. 
that bridge now is completely washed out and gone. The, wa- the water has just, it's so much water and such saturation that it's literally taken out the main thoroughfare. So now what normally would be a 25-minute drive for the next several months until they can finally rebuild the bridge is going to be, uh, take, take two, two and a half hours to go drive around to be able to get people going to work. This is a daily routine. So this is going to displace people, you understand. This is, this is going to cause people who uh, one uh, only one out of six flood victims had flood insurance. That means five out of six families have no insurance to be able to fall back on. The reason is is because flood insurance is so expensive in that area, in many, many areas. If you live south of Interstate 10, the insurance companies will not write a flood insurance policy at all. So they build their homes up in the air. They're built on stilts, and they, they gauge them off of previous floods, and they have standards, and they say this is where you have to build it to stay above the flood. But this, they're saying, is a 1,000-year event, they're saying. So the flood Floodwaters came and washed away homes and uh, overtook homes. So it's a it's a very tragic event. Many people lost everything. What the water rose so fast, many of them thought, well, it's not going to do what the news media is saying. And they're talking about evacuation. If you can possibly imagine evacuating a city such as Houston, uh, 11 million people trying to evacuate, that's just in the metropolitan area of Houston. We're not talking about a metropolitan area of Houston. We're talking about an area that is 400 miles broad with cities much, much larger than our city, just city after city after city. When you move into the Golden Triangle, which is the area where uh, Beaumont, Port Arthur, Orange, that area, uh, over a million people just right there. There's there's literally where, the, how do you put that many vehicles on uh, the road and get them out? Evacuation routes would not even allow it. And so what happens is people go into sheer panic. And so my folks live far enough north that they are now able to drive. My dad is driving an hour and a half to get gas. And so he drives up and fills up containers. And he said every trip now they're having to go further north because people are sold out and people that can get out are catching on to this. And I asked him today, I said, Dad, why don't you just pack up the motorhome and come north? And he said, well, uh, we, we, we just don't feel the liberty to do that. I don't understand why. But uh, pray for him, would you? When I was talking to him this evening, he uh, he was very tearful, and he told me to tell the church, thank you for the prayers and the concerns and the kind remarks that people have made, and uh, that he loves the church and wishes that he was here. But I kind of shared all of that with you just to say that uh, it seems that the common thread that I'm hearing over and over again is people who are so fearful. Their life is filled with fear. Uh, We can look back through the history books and one of the most incredible and impacting presidential statements that was made was made by Franklin D. Roosevelt and our 32nd president and when things were were very, very bad. Unemployment was 25, was at 25% when Roosevelt became president. One out of four Americans were out of work and had no hope of getting a job anytime soon. It's much different from than, than the way we're living today. Before it had become a problem, uh, the, the, the world was already moving into uh, chaos and, and then record-breaking numbers of people without jobs. Some two million Americans were homeless in that time. 
And in his inaugural address, Franklin D. Roosevelt made a statement that galvanized the nation when he said, this great nation will endure as it has endured, and it will revive, and it will prosper. The only thing that we have to fear is, you can finish, fear itself, because fear will destroy you. I come tonight to remind you that fear is something we must be very, very proactive about. There are people who live in fear. I want to talk to you tonight. I'm not going to hit everybody in the room tonight because there's many courageous people, but I want to reach for a few people tonight that get locked down by fear. They live in fear. They're fearful of everything. Fear eats away at faith like cancer. It grows until it chokes out the ability for a believer to believe any longer. And then Satan begins to speak his doubt-filled lies. There People get fearful of everything. We all live in a certain level of fear. Fear of terrorism. Fear of internet stalkers. Fear of people stalking our women and our children. Fear of identity theft. Fear of contaminated food. Fear of exotic germs. Swine flu. Fear of climate change. Pesticides. Mad cow disease, Ebola, E. coli, Shinga toxin. We all become fearful. School shootings seem to be happening everywhere. Fear of religious maniacs with weapons and heartless murders. Fear of politicians selling us out for political gain. We live with fear. Fear of cancer and heart disease. Fear everywhere we turn. There seems to just be fear. There's a lot of fear around us. If we're not careful, fear can become the basic nature of humanity. We have to be very careful. Now, if you're waiting for me tonight to scream and yell, it's probably not going to happen because my voice is gone after this morning. So uh, you're just going to have to get in and get with me here tonight. I'm doing the best that I can. There's fear on every side, fear uh, everywhere. I, can, I, can I just insert here that the only thing that helps build our faith against fear is the preached Word of God. I believe the preached Word of God can have a very very indelible impact in counteracting fear. That's why I believe this. I believe there is a time that the pulpit must come with a word of correction. That must happen, but we must not always come with a word of correction. I believe that the pulpit has to come with a word of faith. The pulpit has to come with a word of hope. The pulpit has to come a word with a word that casts out fear. We come, the reason we preach the love of God is because perfect love casteth out all fear. It's because fear will, will, will absolutely captivate the crowd. It will captivate the church. Faith comes by hearing, the Bible said, and hearing by the Word of God. Can I submit to you tonight that faith and fear cannot coexist. They will not coexist. Either you will walk by faith and not by sight, or you will be crippled in fear, and all the movement that you have will be like a crippled man trying 
trying to walk. You, I come tonight to tell you that there is simply no substitute for a man of God declaring, thus saith the word of God into your hearing and preaching a word of faith that will lift your spirit and cause you to be able to believe when you walked in the building without faith to believe. I don't understand how the world makes it in this fear-filled world, but I come tonight to tell you that this preacher is going to come to this pulpit tonight and declare to you that we've got to push beyond fear and let faith be everything that promotes our future. It is a documented reality of our day that ordinary children today, they say, this is what the, I read this in a Psychology Today magazine. They said that our children today are more fearful than psychiatric patients patients were in the 1950s. Why is that? It's because life has taught us to be fearful. Almost 70 years later, now we are living fearful. People, children are, are living in fear. Children, they, they, I said, uh, we, we were here the other day, I think it was Mo, he was running around here and I said to his, to his mom and dad, I said, that's the perfect age right there. He doesn't know to be afraid of anything. I remember Gentry, he would Superman out of out of thing, break arms. It didn't matter. He was just he wasn't afraid of anything. We we can if we're not careful, we'll teach our kids to be afraid of everything. Now I'm talking on a very physical realm, but tonight I, I want to do more than talk about the physical realm. I want to talk about the spiritual realm because we live our life. Oh, I'm afraid to worship because I'm a fearful of what somebody's going to say. I'm afraid to get too bold in my faith because I'm afraid what somebody's going to do. My wife had a conversation with someone today on the phone, but I come tonight to to, to just leave a little word with you and tell you that the reason that some people don't engage in spiritual warfare is because they are too afraid of the devil and of afraid of the spiritual elements that they may run into that they don't want to have to deal with. But I come tonight to tell you that fear and faith will not, they will not coexist. You've got to choose today how you are going to live into your future. God doesn't want you to be fearful. He hates fear. He, he won't let you get into heaven with fear. Revelation declares to us that fear will keep you out of heaven. That is an absolute fact of the word of God that we, we, we look at. And it's, it's hard for us to wrap our brain around. But the Bible tells us that fear is in the same category with sins of murder and whoremongering and all sorts of other sin that is mentioned in our text. I, I heard someone say as our awe of God grows our fear of life will diminish that is the fact you will decide how you are going to live your life if you live your life afraid of everything you're going to find your life very you're going to live a very sad in a very sad manner but we have got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight no wonder the psalmist said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I 
fear. The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? He said, the Lord is on my side. I will not fear what man can do to me. I, I come tonight to, to tell you that it, it took me many years of ministry and of life. I struggled to live by faith. The ministry is um, built so that it goes without saying that we have to learn to live by faith. I, I like to learn to live by guarantee. But to live by faith, you know, nobody, uh, nobody, uh, we, we were talking the, uh, this week and, and, and I heard some people talking about, my goodness, what are these churches going to do? Some of these churches that uh, are, are going to lose, have people displaced, possibly hundreds of families that will have to move away for jobs because not only did their homes flood, their, their jobs have flooded, their offices are flooded, their, how are they going to function so they have to move to other areas and other regions and it's going to affect churches and churches are liable to lose people and all and, and they were just talking about all the what ifs and the fear and all the things that could happen and I'm thinking wow how in the world God could bless that church in the middle of a storm I, I really do have a word for them and I've preached it to you and if I get an opportunity to go into that region and preach, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to preach to them. The scripture said that, Moses, that Noah lived after the flood. That means that the living he did before the flood was only just a little while but he lived longer after the flood than he did before the flood. We read about Noah's life while he's building the ark and the ark was the whole purpose that he, his family would be saved but after the flood he lived longer than he had lived before the flood. I'm telling you that if you live your life afraid of something's going to come over you and you live constantly in fear. I went over to Brother Jerry Blackburn's house yesterday. I, I, he didn't know I was going to preach this today. I didn't either. I'd have really given him a hard time. He told me, he said, well, I'm thinking about maybe selling my home. And I said, selling this beautiful place. He's got an incredible house and a great setting. He said, well, you know, in the event something happens to me. I said, oh, stop that, man. You're still young. I, I, I'm just using Brother Jerry for a little example. But I'm going to tell you something. If you live your whole life worried, you can't drive down the road because I may have a car accident. I can't worship God because I may have a heart attack. I can't run because I may fall down. Oh, come on, somebody. We got to push beyond fear and start living by faith. I may not live to be 120. I don't know. But between now and then, I can't let fear cripple everything that I do. I'm going to walk by faith and not by sight. I believe in being good stewards. I believe in being faithful in stewardship. I don't believe in getting more, more debt than what you're able to pay. I, I, I'm with you on all of that, but I'm coming tonight to declare unto you, people start getting afraid, well, what happens? You know, we're building this building and, and we're in debt and what in the world happens if we have a church split? Well, what in the world happens if we grow by four times? I'm going to look at the history of this church over 50 years, trouble-free. I'm, I'm going to venture to say that we got another 50 years in us. <laughs> if the Lord tarries, come on. You can't live always worried about what if this is going to happen. We've got to start living by faith and start declaring it's going to happen. 
That's why I like it when they sing songs like we're going to see it. What we've been praying for, we're going to see it. We're going to believe for the impossible. Well, what if it don't happen, Pastor? We're going to keep believing until it happens. You 50 or 60 people that stuck with me and stayed that helped vote me in, God bless your heart. Somebody asked you if you knew what you were getting into. And I realized today, somebody asked me this past week something along the lines of, well, what happens? What happens if you fail? I said, we don't fail. Well, what happens if you fail? What if you do fail? I'm sorry. I'm just going to share. I'm just going to be real transparent with you. My father should have been here tonight because I'd like for him to be here to support this. And I'd also like for him to hear my take on his parenting. With my dad, he would send you to do something. I send my boys out to do it and they come back saying, didn't find it. Did you do such and such? Well, I couldn't do it. I couldn't, it just wouldn't, couldn't. That wasn't a good answer for dad. He'd say, well, go back out and look some more. And I'd come back in. Dad, look, I've looked all over that shop, and that tool is not there. Well, go look some more. You'd come back in, go look some more. Dad, I tried to do that. I'd go try some more. And that was kind of how I was raised. I was raised that quitting was not an option. That failure was not an option. And so it kind of puts something in me, whether it's good or bad, I don't know. I'm going to go see a psychiatrist and get some help before long. But it puts something in me that says there is no such thing as failure. We may have to stop, back up figure out a way to retry, and go at it again. But if we're in the will of God and God speaks a word to us, we can't fail. Well, what if you're not in the will of God? Well, what if I am? Because if I understand the will of God, the only thing I really read in Scripture about the will of God is it's not His will that any should perish but that all should come to repentance. And so if what we're doing is about trying to reach the lost and save the lost, then it must be the will of God. So we may fail in one way, but we got to just get up and keep trying to go back and find another way to do it. If I knock a door this week and they slam the door in my face, knock it next week and hope they don't. Come on, we got to just keep going back, Spencer. We got to just keep going back. We got to just keep doing it until we are successful. We may change our method a little bit. We may mix it up. I may send somebody else to the door. Fear fights faith. And we have to make sure that our faith is secured. If you are afraid of something, it is not of God. Because God hates fear. When he came walking on the water, the disciples, the Bible said the disciples were afraid. The first words out of his mouth, be not afraid. It is I. 
I'd have been afraid too, seeing him walk on the water. He wants us to know that he's not in the fear business and he doesn't want his children living in fear. Here are John's thoughts about the subject. There is no fear in love, but perfect love casteth out. All fear. Fear undermines faith. Fear sabotages faith. Fear smothers faith. Fear destroys faith. Therefore, we've got to do whatever we have to do to push beyond fear and declare that nothing is going to keep me from serving God. Well, I'm living in constant panic and constant fear. You need to get beyond it. You need to find a way to get beyond it. And the only way that you're really going to get beyond it is get your walk with God right and get your faith with God to a point to where you learn to trust God for your very own existence. Can I be real with you tonight? Fear causes a lot of people to miss the will of God. Because God will nudge you to do something, but you allow fear to step in the way of doing what God is nudging you to do. Because when God says, why don't you step out on faith about that time, the flesh says, no, don't do it. So we've got to learn to step out on faith and not allow, and not allow fear to keep us from doing what God is calling us to do. We've got to be willing to step out on faith. Fear will cripple you. Fear, fear will keep you from moving forward. It's going to be a continual battle. This isn't something that you overcome. Every one of us, even myself, I stand here tonight telling you that there are days that I battle with fear, but we have to be courageous. The Bible is full. Be of good courage. The Bible's full of it. Be of good courage. Be full of faith. The Bible over and over again says Jesus said it more than, than, than about any other thing that he said in rep repetition. He would say, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not, fear not. I come tonight to tell you, stop being afraid of what God is calling you to do. Step out on faith and go do it. It doesn't mean you're never going to suffer sickness. It doesn't mean you're never going to suffer setback. It doesn't mean that trouble's never going to come your way because you take a step of faith. As a matter of fact, you take a step of faith and the devil will start throwing everything at you that he possibly can. You can just expect it and get used to it and get ready for it. But I got to tell you, tonight I can look around this room and start looking at some people that's been living for God a long time and they walk by faith and not by sight. But what you see in them tonight, they didn't get to where they are in walking, trembling in fear, but they got there by being bold and being of good courage and declaring even when it's easier to stay home, I'll get up and go to church even when it's easier because of fear I could not give and I could not support, but I'm going to be faithful because God said, if I'm faithful, he'll be faithful. See, people will allow fear to keep them from giving. People will allow fear to keep them from loving. Oh, y'all don't want us preaching like this. You'll, you'll let fear get in the way of everything in your life. You want to you know, you have it all figured out. and You want to have a contractual agreement with God before you'll take a step of faith. You're never going to accomplish anything. Until you reach a point of stepping out and declaring, hey, failure's not an option, but neither is sitting where I'm at. I am going to take a step of faith. You've got to overcome. You've got to overcome fear. You've got to overcome it. Look at your neighbor and tell him overcome it. If you don't overcome it, it'll overcome you. And this is a requirement to get to heaven because the only way you're going to get to heaven is a faith walk.
Can I say it again? I didn't get many amens on that. The only way you're going to get to heaven is a faith walk. Because if it's a fear walk, fear is not going to get into heaven. Only faith is going to get you to heaven. When you think you can't make it, you got to get back up and keep trying. When you get knocked down, you got to get back up and keep swinging. Come on, you're going to live to fight another week. Let God fight for you. When you've done all you can do to stand, don't let fear keep you down. Get up and stand. The Bible has a little short verse in it. David, in the midst of horrible family and kingdom turmoil, here's all he said. God is with me. That's about all you need to know. Because on the worst day of your life, if you'll get a hold of those short short little phrase, God is with me. If you'll get a hold of that, it'll cause fear to subside. And you'll say, if God's with me, what shall I fear? Because God is still on your side. Look at your neighbor and tell him God's on your side. When everything in your life is shaken, when the world is falling apart, when things are falling every which way. I talked to dad today. He said, my Lord, the devastation. He said, there, I said, dad, how many people do you talk to that are saying they're going to move and they're not going to rebuild? He said, I hadn't heard anybody say they're not going to rebuild. He said, there are people coming from all over the world. He said, houses that are open, they're already ripping out. He said, there are people with, he said, license plates from all over the world. They're, they're down here. He said, they're already houses that they can get to, businesses they can get to. People are volunteering. They're tearing out the drywall. They're pulling out the carpet. They're sitting out the furniture. He said they're already getting ready to rebuild. Well, isn't that bold? Absolutely. They are going to walk by faith. This they claim that this is supposed to happen once in a thousand years. Grandpa said, I ain't ever seen it in my life. So I tell you what, if it's once in a thousand, I'll rebuild again. I don't know what my odds are, but I'm going to take my chances on this. God is with me, and I am not afraid of what the devil can do to me. I, I ran into a little situation this week and my wife said to me, oh my, we better pray because we're walking into the devil's den. I looked at her, I said, I'm not afraid. She looked at me, she said, oh no, we have nothing to be afraid of. I said, no, you, you just spoke a little word that sounded like you were afraid. We may be walking into what used to be the devil's den, but understand something, we're the people of God. And when we walk in by faith, that spirit is going to have to leave when we walk in the room. Because faith and fear, oh, mercy, faith and fear cannot coexist. I walked in and began to speak faith to a family that had lost faith. I began to speak faith into their life. I began to tell them God is for you. God hasn't quit on you. There are people that love you. You're going to be okay. Life is going to keep going on for you. I feel the Holy Ghost so strong right now. Somebody's getting what I'm preaching to you tonight. you got to rise up from your fear. That sickness is not going to take your life. The devil is a liar and a follower, father of lies. You need to speak to him and tell him, I'm not going to give. I'm not going to quit. I'm not going to sit down. Get behind me, Satan. I will continue to walk by faith. I'm done. You can stand with me. He that overcometh will overcome in the name of the Lord. 
spent the last couple of days around a young lady don't know a lot about church. A lot about, uh, not, not a lifetime of serving the Lord. And there were a lot of questions. I realize not everybody really understands even what I'm preaching about. And so maybe somebody tonight would ask a simple question. And the question would be, it sounds good. I heard what you preached. But tell me, how do I move forward in this faith that you've preached about tonight? So I'm going to tell you. You get up every day and declare, today, I'm going to overcome. Whatever you deal with, doesn't matter if it's an addiction. It doesn't matter if it's just the enemy that is dealing with you. It doesn't matter if it's a family problem. You need to get up every day and declare in the name of the Lord, I'm going forward by faith. I'm going to overcome this. My family issue is going to be resolved. The phone call is going to come. Somebody in this building today may be, may be in a financial situation. You need to declare tonight, I'm going to get up tomorrow and I'm going to go after it. God's going to provide. <laughs> when you don't know what to do, you just get up and declare by faith. I'm going to just put one foot in, in front of the other because God is on my side. I refuse to walk in fear. I'm going to keep walking forward in Jesus' name. No matter what you're up against, no matter what you're up against, do not walk out of this building tonight being fearful of the thing you walked in this building of. Close your eyes where you are right now. Lift up your hands to heaven. I know we've already had a powerful move of God in this room. That ought to create a whole spirit of freedom for somebody. But right now, by the power and authority of the Word of God, I take dominion over the spirit of fear that would raise its ugly head in a life and cause people to tremble at the thought of facing their future according to the will of God. I declare tonight, God, you are with them. You will walk with them through the fire and through the flood. I declare in the name of the Lord, I release faith in this room right now. Take that step of faith that the Lord is imparting to you right now. Somebody respond to what God is speaking into your life right now. In the name of Jesus, why don't you step out by faith and declare it. God is for me. I'm not quitting. I'm not giving up. I'm not giving in. I will go out by faith. I will go out by faith. Come on, come forward boldly. Come forward boldly worshiping the Lord. Come forward boldly worshiping the Lord. I'm not intimidated. I come forward by faith. God's on my side. And if God be for me, who can be against me? Come on, it's just a trial of your faith. Lighting up the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In the name of Jesus, enemies defeated. And we will shout it out, shout it out. God is fighting for us. Pushing back the darkness, lighting up the 
All right, we can very easily move into the mode of just coming forward, singing a little song and dismissing. But here's what I'm going to call you to do now. While I was preaching tonight, some of you feel like I'm facing a mountain, Pastor. I've got a mountain in front of me. If I spoke to you tonight and you have a mountain in your life, I'm lifting my hand because I have a mountain in my life. If you have a mountain in your life, I want you to lift that hand right now. Here's what we're about to do. We're going to speak to that mountain. Are you ready? Are you ready? We're going to speak to that mountain right now. I want you to call it by name. And I want you to declare in the name of the Lord, mountain, be removed and cast into the sea. I step forth by faith right now in the word of God. Come on. Link up with somebody that has their hand raised. Speak to that mountain right now. Be removed. Be cast. Be cast into the sea. I will be victorious in the name of Jesus. Come on. That financial problem, that health problem, that family issue. That mountain must be removed in the name of the Lord. In Jesus' name. Darkness, light oh. of the kingdom that cannot be shaken. In yes. the name of Jesus, yes. up is defeated. And we will shout it out, shout it out. God is fighting for us, pushing back the darkness. say one more word to you tonight the word of the Lord came to Ezekiel saying speak to the mountain and speak the word of the Lord to the mountain here's the point the word of the Lord came and said prophesy to the mountain some people get afraid when I use the word prophesy. Don't get afraid of a simple little biblical word. Because a prophetic word is, I see the mountain. This is the reality. But when I prophesy, the mountain is going to be removed. That's the prophetic word. Thus saith the Lord, the mountain is going to be removed. If you would receive the word I preached to you tonight and you would receive it as a prophetic word and you would speak to the mountain. It is not your word speaking to the mountain, but it is the word of the Lord speaking to the mountain. 
So those of you that lifted up your hand one more time, I want you to speak to the mountain. Not your word, but let the word of the Lord speak to the mountain and declare, I will be victorious. I will not die. I will not be defeated. I will not take this laying down. I'm going to stand up in the name of the Lord. I am going to fight and I will be victorious in Jesus' name. Come on, speak to the mountain. Speak to the mountain. Let the word of the Lord speak. Shout it out.